Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Learn to think differently. Learn to live differently. Be changed. Be renewed. Be transformed. Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to, uh, what do we call this, winter? A little bit of fall mixed in with a little bit of winter today, maybe. We'll, we'll hold on to our seats and just enjoy the beautiful sun for now. But we're so glad that you guys are with us this morning. We are in week five of our uh, current series called Transformed. And in this series, we're looking at seven key areas of our life that we're wanting to submit to the Lord and ask him to shape those things into his image, into his purposes, into his glory. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at spiritual health, we looked at physical health, and we looked at mental health, and last week we looked at emotional health. Now today, we're going to take some time to focus on relational health. And in your small groups this week, you're going to look at specifically how to build healthy relationships. This morning, however, our focus is going to be looking at how to eliminate the fears that often ruin our relationships. To do that, we're going to go all the way back to the book of Genesis, the very first book of the Bible, and we're going to look at the very first couple, Adam and Eve, because that's where our relational issues began. God had created the entire universe, and he had made Adam Adam, and put Adam into the Garden of Eden. It was a, a perfect paradise. Adam had everything he could possibly want except for He was lonely. He wanted a companion. And so God created woman. He created Eve. And things went along really great for a long time in their relationship because there was no sin in the world. And then you know the story in in Genesis. We're going to look at this today in chapter 3. But the story is that Satan comes to Eve and he lies to her. And he says, didn't God say that you can't eat from any of the trees in the garden?" And of course, that wasn't true at all. That's not what God said. God had said that there was just one tree that was off limits, and all the rest of the trees were actually within the limits because God wanted to give mankind a choice. God wanted man to choose to love him. But Satan said, God's lying to you. You're not going to die if you eat from the fruit of that tree. In fact, you'll be as wise as God If you eat from the fruit of the tree. And I want you to notice, Satan never tempts us to be like himself. He never says, if you do this, you'll be just like me. We wouldn't fall for that. We wouldn't buy that. But what he says is, if you do this, you'll be like God. And Eve fell for that line. And we're going to pick up today as we read in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. We're going to pick up that story right there. And you can follow along with me. It says, so Eve took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. I want you to notice this is where shame enters the world for the very first time. There'd never been shame or guilt. So they sewed fig leaves to cover themselves. Then they heard the Lord God walking in the garden during the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid from the Lord God 
among the trees in the garden. But God called to Adam and said, Where are you? Adam answered, I heard you walking in the garden, and I was afraid. I want you to notice this is the first time fear enters the world. I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. Then God asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? Adam said, You gave me this woman, you gave this woman to me, and she gave me the fruit from this tree, and so I ate it. We'll come back to that. <laughs> and then God said, moving on quickly, then God said to Eve, Why did you do this? And Eve replied, The serpent tricked me, and I ate it. So God said to Eve, and I want, I want to give you the context here. Because you didn't do what I told you, there are some things now that are broken, and there are some things that are going to be very difficult in this world, and childbirth is going to be one of them. So God says, you'll have greater trouble in pregnancy and great pain in childbirth. And though you'll greatly desire your husband, he's going to lord it over you. I mean, there's going to be conflict in your relationship now. Then God said to Adam, because you also disobeyed me and, and sinned with your wife, the ground you work is now cursed. And though you'll get to eat what you planted, your fields will have weeds and thorns and thistles. So we can thank Adam for all the weeds in the world. And for the rest of your life, you'll have to sweat and work hard to get your food until you yourself are returned to the dirt that I used to create you. Now this is a... It's a fascinating story that's filled with an enormous amount of truth. But today I just want to point out some relational truths. Because in this story we see there are three fundamental fears that pop up in our relationships. And you can use what we're going to talk about today in your marriage. You can use it with your friends. You can use it at work. You can use it in all of your relationships. These three fundamental fears that started when sin entered the world are still very much present in the world today. And they work to damage and destroy relationships. And so today, as we look at relational health, we're going to start by looking at these fundamental fears, these three fears. So let's get right into it here. The first fear is the fear of exposure. And the fear of exposure makes me distant. The fear of exposure makes me distant. Here's the truth, okay? There are things about you that you don't like. Everybody deals with this. There are things about me that I don't like. And because you don't like those things, you certainly don't want anybody else to see them. The things that you don't accept about yourself, you have a fear that they're not going to be accepted by others. Because when people get close to you, they see you, they see your warts, they see everything. The closer they get to you, they notice your blemishes, they notice your weaknesses, they notice your shortcomings, and so we keep people at a distance because of that fear of exposure that people will discover the unpleasant things about us. Verses 9 and 10 of Genesis, it says this, God called to Adam and said, where are you? Adam answered, I heard you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and so I hid. And I want you to notice a couple of phrases here, if you'll leave this up for us. The first is, I was afraid, 
and I hid. Because those two always go together. Fear always causes us to hide. And I also want you to notice in this passage here, this phrase where where Adam said, I was naked. Because he's talking about a lot more than just physical nakedness here. To be naked is to be exposed. It's to be uncovered. It's to be vulnerable. And we are oftentimes afraid of being exposed. Afraid of things being uncovered. And we're afraid of those. We're afraid of vulnerability. We're afraid of letting people see us as we really are. And so we tend to hide. We tend to hide those things, at least. We try to hide our flaws and our imperfections. One of our deepest needs in life is to be loved. But one of our greatest fears is the fear of being seen as we really are. So this first fear, this fear of being exposed, of being seen, it causes us to be distant. It causes us to hide things. The second fear that we see in Adam and Eve here is the fear of disapproval. And this fear of disapproval makes me defensive. It makes me defensive. So we move from just hiding and covering things up to actually being defensive in this stage. When we have this fear of disapproval, we start pointing fingers. The more critical a person is, the more you know that they have a fear of disapproval. I'll say that again. The more critical that a person is, the more they attack others or put other people down, the more you know that that person fears disapproval in their own life. So you hear all these athletes and politicians and news commentators, and you hear a lot of pastors do the same thing. They point out the wrongs of everybody else because they're afraid of being disapproved of themselves. And so when something becomes apparent, they try to deflect or distract or redirect your attention. Well, look at that person. Well, did you notice their flaws? Because they're afraid of being disapproved. We see this in verse 12. God asked, did you eat what I told you not to eat. And this is where we chuckled a little bit. Adam answered, you gave me this woman, and she gave me the fruit, so I ate it. I want, I want you to notice, Adam really took it like a man. He blamed his wife. <laughs> and actually, worse than this, Adam didn't blame his wife. He's actually blaming God. You made this woman. You gave me this woman, and now she caused me to fail. So Adam's blaming God, and he's blaming Eve for his own choice. He's passing the responsibility. And I want you to notice, according to Adam, he's the only innocent one in this. He's the victim. Now, ladies, I'm I'm sorry, but Eve wasn't any more willing to accept responsibility. Eve said, the serpent tricked me, and I ate it. So we've got Adam blaming his wife and blaming God, and we've got Eve who's blaming the serpent, and they're all they're pointing fingers. It wasn't my fault. It wasn't me. It it really it it was because of something else. Because my fear of disapproval makes me defensive. And this happens oftentimes in your marriages, it happens in your relationships all of the time. If somebody says something to you 
that you feel has just even a hint of disapproval, you immediately get defensive. And you either try to explain it away, or you try to attack back, or you accuse somebody else because you're afraid of that disapproval. And so you try to cast that attention to somebody else, cast the blame to somebody else. Because again, my fear of disapproval makes me defensive. So there's a third thing that we're going to look at here that you see in Adam and Eve, and it's the fear of losing control. And the fear of losing control makes me demanding. See, the result of Adam and Eve's sin is that they lost control. They lost control of their future. They lost control of their destiny. They got kicked out of the Garden of Eden. And now they're feeling completely out of control because they were. And it's in these situations in our life when we feel like we are losing control that we become demanding. Let me say it this way. The more out of control you feel, the more controlling you become. The more out of control you feel, the more controlling you become. The more insecure you are, the greater you have a need to get your own way and to control the environment around you and to boss people around and to make demands. If you're a very secure person, you don't have to have your way all the time. It doesn't bother you. But if you're insecure, then you, you push for your way all the time and you, you fight for control because the more out of control you feel, the more controlling you become. And you see God foretell this in, in verse 16, and he's, he's talking about where this conflict originates now. Verse 16, where God says to Eve, you'll greatly desire your husband. In other words, you're going to love your husband even though you both messed up. You're still going to desire him, but he will lord it over you. Some versions say he will dominate you or he will rule you. And this is where the, the battle in relationships began. Right here, all the misunderstanding between men and women, between spouses, between boyfriends or girlfriends, all the confusion, all the conflict, all the jockeying for position, all of the, the questions, who's going to be in charge, who's going to be in control, goes back to this situation right here. There is now conflict in the relationship. And you guys know that it's not a whole lot of fun to be in that kind of a marriage or a relationship or a friendship where you're not cooperating but you're competing with each other. I mean, wouldn't it be just absolutely amazing if you could move all of your relationships from competition into cooperation to where you're working together but this conflict is a result of sin coming into the world. And it's something that's been present since that day. There's going to be a battle for control. Now, I'm not going to have anybody look at their spouse today and say something. Not right now. This is not a good time for that. <laughs> but you know that even in the most loving relationships that there still is this struggle. It's part of our nature now that we're born into. Control. This is what God was talking about in verse 16 here. And this is where we're at today. This is where we are today. So the question is, how do we 
deal with this? What's the antidote that can transform a relationship and relieve these fears, these three fears that we talked about, the fear of exposure, the fear of disapproval, the fear of of, um, losing control. And I want to tell you, just like last week when we said, hey, don't try to make this more complicated than it is. I want to tell you this. There's only one antidote to these fears, and it's love. I want you to notice this verse, 1 John Chapter 4, verse 18, it says, Wherever God's love is, there is no fear. So if you want to get rid of fear in relationships, you've got to get God's love in there somehow. You've got to get God's love in there. Wherever God's love is, there's no fear. Why? The verse goes on to say, because God's perfect love drives out fear. The opposite of fear is love. And when you invite God's love into the front door of your life and your heart, fear has to go out the back door because fear and love cannot live in the same house. Fear is overcome by love. That's why people will stand and and watch a fire, a building that's on fire, and there's fear. I don't want to run in there, but a parent will run in if, if a child is in there because their love overcomes their fear, and so they'll go do something like that. That's Love is greater than. Love overcomes fear, but we have to have enough love that it will overcome those fears. Otherwise, we're going to be frozen. So here's here's what we're going to look at. How do I learn to live in God's love so that there is no fear? How do I invite that level of love into my my life that overcomes those those fears that cause me to to react in ways that it's not healthy for my relationships? How do I invite enough of God's love into my life that it can overcome those fears? Scripture tells us there's three things There's three things that we're going to look at. And and these three things, if if you'll do these three things, it'll transform, not just you, it'll transform your relationships. The first is this. Number one, every day I surrender my heart to God. I surrender my heart to God. Every morning when you wake up and you, you sit up in bed and you say, God, before I even start my day, I surrender my thoughts to you. I surrender my emotions to you. We've talked about that the last couple of weeks. But Lord, I surrender them to you and I I want you to fill me with your love. I want more of you. I surrender my life to you. Now, why is this important? We, We get this part when it comes to spiritual health, that I have a relationship with God. But here's why this is so vital and it's actually very simple. It's because God is love. And the closer you get to God, the more love is going to fill your heart. The further away from God you get, the more fear begins to fill your life. So if you want to get rid of the fears, you've got to get close to God. And that love begins to drive those things away. Job chapter 11, verse 13 and 18. This uh, scripture verse is in your notes this morning. It says this, Surrender your heart to God. Turn to him in prayer. And give up your sins, even those you do in secret. And then notice the benefits here. You won't be ashamed. Shame is going to be banished from your life. You will be confident and fearless. You won't walk in fear anymore. You'll rest safe and secure, filled with hope and emptied of worry. Now listen, this is, a, this is a, an amazing verse. 
I don't know the right vernacular to use right now. I would say awesome, but awesome really doesn't even do it justice. I want you to look at this. Surrender your heart to God. Turn to him in prayer. Give up your sins, and then look at these benefits. No shame, no fear, no worries. Instead, you're going to be confident and filled with hope. Now, this passage right here, this scripture verse, you ought to write this down on a card, put it on your vanity, put it on your your sun visor, put it somewhere where you will read it multiple times a day because this is powerful, this this act of surrendering ourselves to God. And what this does when we turn to him and how it drives these things away, if you don't want shame in your life, if you want to be free from that, Surrender yourself to God. If you want fear to be gone, surrender yourself to God. It drives these things away. The first thing I do then to live in God's love is that every day I surrender my heart to God. Now, number two, I not only surrender, but every day I remember that God loves me. If you don't feel loved by God, you're not going to be loving in your relationships. That's very, very important. I feel like there's so many times when we forget why these are fundamentals, why these are elementary, why these are building blocks to the faith. It's because they're so important that things are built on top of these precepts and these principles. Every day, I need to remember that God loves me because if I don't feel loved, I'm going to have a hard time being loving in my relationships. So I need to remind myself every single day what God thinks about me. Not what I think about me. Not what the world thinks about me. But what does God think about me? And this is so vital in dispelling and removing these fears. So I'm going to give you four things. And we're going to do these very quickly. Four things about God's love for you. And I really want you to write these down in your notes this morning. The first is I'm completely accepted. I am completely accepted. This is important because the deepest wounds of your life are those that are caused by rejection. The deepest wounds that we face in life are the ones that are caused by rejection because we long to be accepted. And there is this myth in the world today that if if we could just be perfect, then everybody would accept us. Need I remind you of Jesus? who was perfect. And there were so many people who did not accept him. Listen, the good news for you is this. You don't need everybody's approval. You don't need everybody's approval. What you need is to realize this issue of acceptance has already been settled by God. The Bible tells us in Titus 3.7 that Jesus made us acceptable to God. By his death on the cross, He made us acceptable to God. I am completely accepted. God has already settled that. The next is this. I'm unconditionally loved. There's a lot of things that I can say about God's love, but one of the characteristics is that it's unconditional. God doesn't love me if. God doesn't love me because. God loves me, period. God doesn't love you if you do something. God doesn't love you because you did something. God simply loves you. 
unconditionally. That's because God's love is not based on you, it's based on him. It's not based on what you did. It's not based on your acts. It's not based on your words. It's based on him. Isaiah 54.10 says, My love for you will never end, says the Lord. I wish we had time to just sit here for a while and that you would let that soak in. God loves you, period. And you need to remind yourself of that on a daily basis. The third thing God says about you is that I'm totally forgiven. I'm totally forgiven. There's no reason for me to carry shame in my life because I am absolutely 100% forgiven. Because of what Jesus Christ did for you, dying for your sins on the cross, you are totally forgiven. And here's what Romans 8.1 says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Your sins are completely wiped out. When was the last time you reminded yourself of these things? Number four, I'm extremely valuable. I'm extremely valuable. There, there's two things that create value in our world. The first is who owns it, and the second is what somebody's willing to pay for it. That's what determines value. Well, here's what Scripture says. You're a child of God. You belong to him. You're extremely valuable. And he paid the highest price for you. In fact, the Bible tells us that you've been bought with a price and you were paid for by Christ's blood. Jesus Christ paid for you with his life. That's how valuable you are. So every day we need to remind ourselves of these things. I'm completely accepted, unconditionally loved, totally forgiven, and extremely valuable. Understanding God's love for you is extremely important in getting rid of fear in your life, especially in your relationship. So here's the third thing, the last thing here. So I surrender, I remember, and then every day I offer the same love to others. I offer the same love to others. This same love that God gives me, these four things that we just talked about, now I'm to offer to everyone that I come into contact with. In fact, here's what the Bible says in John 13, verse 34. Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. That's not an option, that means. For those who have given their hearts to, to Jesus Christ and you've received the love that Jesus has, has just poured out on you, he's saying, now, this is a new recommendation. No, a new suggestion. No, a new what? Now, that wasn't very good. A new what? You don't want to say it, do you? You don't want to say it. It's a commandment. Jesus says, the love that I have poured out to you now, this is a commandment. Now you're to, to share that love, that same love with the world around you. It's not an option. I want to I say something that seems like a Captain Obvious statement, but I want us to take a moment, and I want this to, to sink in, okay? What relationships lack more than anything else in this world is genuine love. This kind of love that Jesus demonstrated for us. What relationships lack, what your relationships, what my relationships lack more than anything else 
is real love. The problem is we often view love as tolerance in our relationships. We put up with our spouse, and we call that love. We put up with a friend's actions. We put up with a coworker. We put up with a neighbor. We tolerate, and we call it love. But this real love is a love that accepts completely, a love that loves unconditionally, that forgives totally and considers them extremely valuable. And Jesus said, you're to love everybody else the same way that I've loved you now. Now that love will drive out fear and it will transform your relationships. Today, you're going to be able to go home and in the car ride, if somebody says, hey, what'd you learn about today? You can say love. God's love. How if I can really take God's love and love the people around me in that manner, how it will change my relationships. How easy it seems, how easy it is to preach from up here. You know what gets really difficult? When I get in the car on the way home. When I show up to work Monday morning, when I am interacting with a, a friend, when I'm talking with a neighbor. Guys, this is a big challenge for us. We love to receive grace, but we really struggle with extending it. And that is where relational dysfunction happens. If we want to see our relationships healthy, we have to learn to extend the same love that we long for in our life. And that's where we're at. Now, I've got to wrap up today. We did a series a few months back called Love Is. It was based on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if you weren't here for that series, I encourage you to check it out online. Or maybe you just need a reminder, a refresher. Because we really talked about God's formula for loving others. And it's how God loves us. Completely, unconditionally, and you could even say relentlessly. Never gives up. This morning, if you have never received that love from him, I want to give you an opportunity before we close. And in a moment, we're going to transition into a time of, of communion. We're going to celebrate together today. And the one condition that Scripture puts on communion is that it is an act for believers. It is for those who have said yes to Jesus, those who have received his love. And this morning, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So if with our heads bowed and eyes closed, if that's you today, I, I just simply encourage you, if you're ready to say yes to Jesus, then I want to invite you to pray this prayer with me. And you can say, Jesus, right now, I receive your love. I receive your gift of salvation. I thank you for loving me. I thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. And Lord, I ask that you would forgive me of my sin and be my Lord and Savior from this day forward. I ask you to transform my life, Lord. And it's in your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we are going to close. Here's what I want to do as we, as we wrap up here. 
If you prayed that prayer with me on the back of your connection card is a box that says, I said yes. And if you'll take a moment to just check that box and put your name on there, we want to be able to celebrate with you. We're not going to send out all kinds of stuff. We're not going to post it on the website. We're not going to start badgering you. We're going to pray. And we want to support you. And we believe that's what a church family is. And that's what a church family does. And so here's what I want to encourage you to do. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or maybe it was a recommitment, check that box. In just a few moments, our elders are going to be up here at the end of our service, just praying for the needs uh, of our congregation. If you have a need, if there's anything you're facing today, it would be our privilege to be able to pray with you. And here's, again, what I would encourage you to do. If you prayed that prayer and said yes to Jesus, check that box, take that card up and drop it off with one of these elders today, and we'll begin praying for you immediately. In fact, let's take a moment right now and just congratulate those who prayed that prayer this morning. Well, I've certainly used all my time this morning, so uh, would you guys just pray with me as we close up today? God, um, Lord, we're... Honestly, many of our relationships need transformed, God. There's so many relationships in our life where we struggle with sharing the same love that you've extended to us. Uh, God, we ask that you would begin by changing us, that you would free us from those fears that we talked about today. Lord, we want to we learn to live in your love and to be able to share that love with others in this world. And we pray this now in the name of your son, Jesus, and all God's people said, amen.